it's not because she sang it. It's because of what the words say. How great thou art. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. <sighs> Jerry, pray please. Yeah. Jerry. Uh, the two foundation verses that we're going to look at today, both of them are in Proverbs. So if you want to turn there, the first one will be Proverbs 9, verse 10. And the other one will be Proverbs 1 through 7, will be our foundation or our core verses that we will expand on today. The title of the message is Wisdom, the Fear of the Lord. Or you could just turn that around, the fear of the Lord, it says, is Wisdom, okay? In Proverbs 9, 10, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning or the foundation for wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. As we continue our little series here on, it's kind of surrounded by the word of fear, if you would. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the idea of fear God and how holy He really is. Last week, we looked at... Uh, the, the concept of fear not. As we live in a world that's spinning out of control, we don't have to fear what's, what's going to happen because we have the Lord as our Savior. Today we're going to look at uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> you live in this old world, wisdom is really a good thing to have. And how do we acquire that kind of wisdom? In the Bible, the word fear has has many, many kind of definitions, I guess, if you would. Uh, it could be defined as the, the terror one feels in a frightening situation. We, we understand what, what that means. The word fear can also mean a, a respect that a person would have for uh, someone in authority, I guess you might say, and and uh, an, an employee to an employer or a, a, a servant with the Bible as to their master. And we give them that kind of respect of, of who they are. Or it can be defined as a reverence and a complete awe when you stand in the presence of somebody that would be considered great. We stand in the presence of somebody that we we look up to and we give them an, a, a reverence and an awe towards who they are. And, and I think in the Bible we would find that, that, that those three definitions of fear fit. Those are all examples that we can find in, in God's Word. You see, that, that word fear, it, that terror of frightening situations, uh, that word applies to 
can apply to believers and it can apply to unbelievers. Because you see, you see, according to God's word, there'll be one day there's going to be a judgment day. One day we will all give an accounting of our actions, things we say and the things we do, either as a believer or as an unbeliever. And we need to understand that fear. And I hope that if you've never been born again, I hope you fear God because he has told us that one day he will pour his wrath and his judgment out upon those who have rejected him. And and as a believer, that still kind of scares me in a sense, that wow, holy God, one day will do exactly what he has said to do, and he will bring wrath and judgment and condemnation on every person who has rejected him. And then he will, the Bible says, they will be thrown into the fire of brimstone. And they'll be separated with him forever and forever. To me personally, that is a very chilling, chilling thought. And if you've never been born again, that ought to scare the bejeebies out of you. The second thing that we see here is that idea of respect and honor. You see, the Bible tells us that we're going to respect and honor a holy and a mighty God. And we talked about this two weeks ago. We have absolutely got to hallow His name. His name has to be special. His name has to be given honor and respect. He, we, we, as Christians, we hallow His name. We are obedient to Him. We love the things that He loves and hates the things that He hates. We, we control our tongue. We are obedient to Him. We live a life that is pleasing to Him, a life the Bible says is worthy of the calling of Christ. That's how we honor Him. That's how we give Him respect by doing that. And the third kind of example that I gave you, that idea of reverence and of awe. Do we have the kind of reverence that the prophet Isaiah had in Isaiah 6 when he came into the very presence of holy God and he declared, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Or John the Revelator in Revelation when he came across and he saw Jesus standing there, the Bible says he fell down on his knees as if he was a dead man. You see, when we come into the very presence of holy God, we now understand who we are. We now, our sins become bigger than than they were because when we compare our lives to a holy and supreme God, all we can do is bow down and say, woe is me. I'm not for sure in my life I have that kind of reverence for holy God. I hope one day I can get there. I hope one day you can get there when we just see the awesomeness of him and his presence and all I can do is bow down and submit my life to him and say, woe is me. Thank you. Thank you to God for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross just for me. I think there's another way we can look at this idea of fear of the Lord. And it's the concept of, of having a continue, continuing awareness that a loving, holy, mighty God sees everything. 
and he's evaluating the things that we think and the things we do and the things we say, and he is recording that. And one day those will be shown up again on the big screen of heaven for the Christians in the judgment seat of Christ for all to see. For the unbeliever, it'll be at the great white throne judgment where people will be judged because of the things that they do and the things they say and the things that they think. You see, he knows everything. God knows everything about us, does he not? I, I love the way it said what it says in Psalm 139. One, two, three, and four. And it says this about God knowing everything. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. <laughs> How does he do that? He created you. You know me when I sit down and when I get up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are extreme, int, uh, intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. God Almighty knows when you sit down and when you get up. <laughs> the Lord God Almighty knows the path that you're taking in life. He knows if you've been born again or if you've not been born again. He knows the decisions that you make on a daily basis. He understands it because it says he scrutinizes my path. And he knows that. He knows the ways that I go, the things that I do, how I act and how I react. He knows the words before I even speak them. Holy God knows it all, does he not? And then you take those verses and you go down a couple of verses of 7, 8, and 9, and we won't read those verses. But, but it also, the psalmist also says, how, how can I get, a, I can't get away from him no matter what. I can't get away from him. He says, if I, if I go to heaven, he's there. If I go to Sheol, which is the holding tank for the unbelievers, he said, he's there. If I fly to the uttermost parts of this world, God is there. If I go to the deepest, remotest parts of the sea, he is there. I cannot escape him. And one day we all will give an account on what we do and how we say it. Okay? You know, before we can ever receive and have wisdom in our lives. And we, need, and we all need that, don't we? The Bible says we've got to have the fear of the Lord. Because that's the foundation of where wisdom comes from, is the fear of the Lord. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from some book. It doesn't come from Dr. Phil or Oprah. Wisdom comes when we have the proper fear of the Lord. When we can see His power when we can see His majesty, when we can see His awesomeness, when we see His beauty, when we see His brilliance, then and only then we can have the proper fear of the Lord, which will in turn lead us to wisdom that only He can give to us. In Psalm 19, 1, it says, The heavens declare His glory. Isaiah forty twelve, it says, God can measure the universe in the span of his hand. God can hold the universe 
between his little finger and his thumb. The Bible says he holds the universe in his hand. Let me try that again. He holds the universe in his hand. Well, how, how, how big is that universe? Well, I'm glad you asked. Scientists say there are, we live in a galaxy, okay? Scientists say there's billions of galaxies out there. Billions of galaxies out there. They say light travels. Okay, I want to impress you with this number. Light travels 186,282 miles per second. That's 670 miles an hour. And you multiply that times 24. That's how many miles it would be light travels in a day. Times 365. That's how fast light travels in a year. And if you go to the nearest star, which is 4.3 light years away from us, you will be at the very closest star that we have here on this earth. And he holds the universe in his hand. That's a big universe. That's a big galaxy. And scientists say there's billions of those. That's just not, that's just not us. And he holds them in his hand. The furthest star they say in our, in, in our galaxy where we're, where we're living, our, in our part of the universe, okay, the furthest one that they think is about 4,000 light years away. So instead of multiplying that by 4.3, the, the, the furthest that light will travel, or the shortest from a star, that is the furthest, 4,000 years, light years away. How many miles is that? I don't know that. I don't know if they have that many zeros out there. It's huge. And they said if, 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 if light was transmitted from that star, which is almost the furthest one from our galaxy, it says that light would reach the earth that was sent about the time Abraham and Sarah got together in Genesis 11. That light started then, and now it's just now today getting to the earth. 4, 000, over 4,000 years ago. That's the furthest star in our galaxy. That's not the other galaxies. The closest galaxy they tell us is called Andromeda. The galaxy that's closest to us right here. It is 2.3 million light years away from us. And he holds the universe in his hand. And we can't submit to him. Let me give you another thing, another thought. In the human body, they say there's over 100 million cells in this body 100 million cells they all have a function don't they they all grow they all mature they die out and we grow some more mature die out grow some more and they all have a certain function that they're doing within the human body you you, you think of the organs that we have all have a certain function and when they function together it's all good and when they don't it's not so good and you see, the Bible said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you see, we serve a God. We serve a God who controls 
the billions of light years out there. And we, we, but yet we serve a God who knows the tiniest cell in our body. He knows the tiniest molecule that makes up that one cell. And we've talked about one of those molecules is the laminin that the Bible says that, cell, that molecule holds the cells together, which holds the body together. You see, we, we serve a God that, that keeps the universe in the palm of his hand. That's how big he is. And yet he knows the very molecules in your body. What an awesome God he is. What an awesome God he is. I mean, he's the God who knows everything about us. The hairs on our head, the thoughts that we think, the things that we do. He controls the wind and the rain and the weather and the heat. Sorry, Democrats, but that he does. That's not politically. I'm not saying political. But he controls it. People don't control it. He, he, he tells the oceans how far they can go. They've got to stop on the, on, the, on the California coast and the New York coast. He tells them that's far enough. You can't go anywhere. Who controls God does. You see, we serve an awesome and a mighty God. And if we do, if, if, we, if that's who we serve, should we not have a continual awareness in our minds about who He is? Wow. Could, can we not just have a deep reverence for who He is because of the vastness and His goodness to us? Can we not have that reverence the things that we think and the speak and what we, how we call his name and those kind of things. Because of his awesomeness, can we not just commit our lives in, in obedience to him? Man, I, got, I, 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 got, I want you to see that picture of how big he is. Because the Bible says we've got to fear him in those three areas, that how I define that already. And he deserves our fear. And the Bible says wisdom is what? Is found and the starting point of fearing the Lord. If we cannot get that concept of fearing the Lord, we'll never have godly wisdom in our life. But you know, sometimes, and I'm not pointing any fingers, but sometimes we get to the point and we, as we visualize God and we put God in our, in our box and how we want to picture him and how we want to define him and and, and so many times we go, well, he's, you know, God, he, he's a, you know, he's, he, he reminds me of an elderly grandpa, okay? An elderly grandpa that, that maybe will give me what I want. <laughs> or, or I love just to go, to go visit my grandparents and, and maybe we think God's just like that. I just, I feel so comfortable and at peace when, I, when I'm, when I'm kind of talking to him. Or, or, or or we think him he's the he's the big guy and he's the and, we, and sometimes we call him the guy upstairs. No, he's not the God upstairs. And when we take God and we put him in that box, how we want to define whoever God is, we can never have the fear of God when we think of God like that. That he is an elderly grandpa. He is God Almighty who holds the universe in His hands. And we as His people have got to start worshiping the God who holds the universe in His hand. Or else the Bible says you will never 
have godly wisdom in your life. Never. Ever, never, ever, never. I think is how I would phrase that. Wow. We've got to see his majesty. We've got to see his power. We've got to see his awesomeness before he'll ever grant us his wisdom. When we see God's true nature, we will be in a position to acquire his wisdom. But we've got to see his true nature. How important, how important is wisdom? How important is godly wisdom? It is, wisdom is seeing life through God's perspective. It is seeing life through God's eyes. I mean, we live in a crazy world today, don't we? We live in a crazy, crazy world. I mean, where, where right is wrong and wrong is right. Where good is bad and bad is good. And, 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 we, and, they, and we want to just keep blurring those definitions. And we live in a world where we have rumors of wars and, and earthquakes and pestilence that the Bible says. We, we see leaders all over the world threatening to nuke each other. I think I heard this week that we have enough nuclear weapons in America to destroy the earth 150 times over. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? And we hear the news and we see the news and we see the corruption in the news and and we go, oh man, I I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do? I'm I'm scared of the future. I don't know know what's going to happen. The the world's going to be destroyed by North Korea or China or whoever. And we take the earthly perspective and yeah, fear comes in when we take that. And yet for us Christians and believers who have put their faith in Christ, who who worship a holy and a mighty God, who understand there is a plan in place for this old world. And and this old world is not going to be destroyed by somebody pushing the nuclear button. You see, it's not going to happen that way because you see, you read God's word, he's got already a plan. He's already told us what's going to happen. And because we choose as believers to see, the, see what's happening in this world through the eyes of God and His perspective, we don't have to sweat the results. We don't have to worry about the results. We don't have to fear what's going to come next or tomorrow because we know who holds tomorrow. And we know He has a plan. And, and there is nobody in this world that can buck His plan. He will take care of his plan when he's ready to take care of his plan. I don't care what Putin says. I don't care what Mao Zedong says, even though he's dead. I, still, I can't think of the other guy from China. It'll make a difference. God's in control. And when we understand God's in control, we get his perspective, and we can see life how we're supposed to look at life. And the Bible says when we do that, we can have godly wisdom because we're seeing life through his eyes the bible says in proverbs proverbs 2 it says this verses 4 and 5 it says speaking of wisdom he says if you seek wisdom or her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures then you will discern the fear of the lord and discover the knowledge of god the bible says we number one we are to fear god then it says what we are to seek him 
And we are to search for him, treasure, as if it is a buried treasure. We fear him. We seek his wisdom. We search for his wisdom. When our hearts are right with God, he will tell us, he will give us the wisdom that we need. Well, what kind of wisdom is that? I mean, we can get earthly wisdom. I mean, we're smart enough to figure out, go, you know, I learned from that, and man, I, I, I put that in my mind, and I, I'm, I'm smarter than that. I'm not going to do that anymore. We can acquire earthly wisdom, worldly wisdom, but there's something different about godly wisdom. Well, what does that godly wisdom look like? James 3.17 says it this way. First of all, this wisdom from above that, that I hope every Christian desires. It says, first, it's pure. Then it's peaceable. Then it's gentle. Then it's reasonable. It's full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Would you rather have earthly wisdom or godly wisdom? Godly wisdom. You know, I, I, there's, a, there's a parable in the Bible about about a rich farmer and, and he had had a bumper crop this one year and, and he said you know in his mind he goes you know I, I had a really good crop I did this I planted this and I plowed it and I took care of it and I did this and because of this I can't store it anymore because now I have got to build bigger barns I got to put all this stuff that I got that I've been blessed with that I grew and I'm going to have to tear my old barns down and build new ones Build new ones because I've got to, I've got to store it. And, and he said, you know, after I do that, I, you know, I'll have enough to, to, to sit back and, and eat, drink, and be merry because I'll be retired because my barns are full of what I, what I just grew. And, and then the, the next verse says this, but God said, you are a fool. It wasn't because he had a bounty from, from a harvest. It wasn't because he had so much he had to build a new barn. What was the problem? Why would God call this man a fool? He forgot God in his life. He refused to include God in his thinking. You see, he thought all about himself was doing this. He made no mention of God in his life. It was all about I. He didn't think about eternity and the effect of what he was going to be doing. He had no fear for the Lord because what, what he was doing was his strength and his ability. And God said, that you're foolish, yeah, sir, you're foolish. He said, because tonight your soul will be required of you. You're foolish. Because you did not seek the opinion of God. You didn't ask for God's thoughts on this. You could do it on your own. He thought he was wise he was in his own eyes. But God said, no, nah, you're foolish. Because you left out the secret ingredient that you need for eternity. And you left out God in the equation. And God said, you are a fool. When we incorporate the fear of the Lord, every moment we can have true wisdom. Do you, as God's children, do you, do you ask for God's opinion when you try to do something? 
Do you, do you seek his will? Do you seek what he thinks is the right direction to go? And man, I, I just got to encourage you, man, with the world we live in. And, and have you, did you ever seek him when you were first beginning to find out what you want to do in life? That job that you had, did you seek his will on that? Do you seek God's wisdom dealing with kids or grandkids? Man, I, I hope you do. I, I, because it's too crazy out there without his opinion. What about family? Have you, uh, dealing with family members, do you, do you seek his thoughts on it? Do you seek his will? Do you seek his path for you? Do, do you, you see, the, the farmer didn't seek God, God's will. And God called him foolish. Called him a fool. When you have a decision up in front of you, do you consult God Almighty who controls the universe and holds the universe in his hand, who knows all? Or do you think, God, I got this. I got, I got this. And I promise you, every time you say, I got this, God, and don't seek his opinion, it's not right. I can promise that to you. It's not going to be right. Oh, you might think it is. Give it time. It won't be. You see, we got to fear the Lord, and that's where that fear of the Lord comes from when we seek his opinion. Our respect for God's majesty causes us, causes us to honor him. Our thankfulness for His grace causes us to serve Him. Knowing God's love and knowing God's wrath and judgment inspires us to fear Him and to run away from sin. That's what fear of the Lord does, causes us to run away from sin. I'd say we desperately need wisdom in our life. And the foundation of that wisdom is who? Fearing God having the proper fear of God, proper reverence, proper holiness, proper respect, proper fear of what could happen. And then he says we are to seek him. If we seek him for wisdom, if we search for wisdom, and then he gives us one more, one more way to acquire wisdom. And that is in James 1.5. Where it says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and he will be giving it to you. That generously and without reproach means, well, you've gone all your life without asking me my opinion, and now you do? Well, I ain't going to give it to you. That's not what it says. He says, I'll give it to you when you, when you seek and you search and you ask. And you put the fear of the Lord in front as your foundation. What does he say? I will give you what you're looking for. And that is the wisdom that is first pure and peaceable and unwavering without hypocrisy. That's the kind of wisdom he'll give you from above. Do you want that kind of wisdom? First thing you got to do is what? Fear of the Lord. Have the proper fear of the Lord. Dirk, do you have uh, Proverbs 9.10 again? First right there. There it is again. Come on, going back to where we started. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. My prayer for you today is that you have the proper fear for the Lord. That you have the proper fear for the Lord. So when those times come 
and the, and, the, and the flood waters are trying to drown you in life and the winds of a tornado are trying to blow you away. You have already has your foundation had the fear of the Lord. And when you call out to Him when those waters are coming over you to drown you, guess what? He's going to hear that prayer because you've already set a foundation of fearing Him. And because you fear Him, that is the beginning point of wisdom. And you seek and you search and you ask. And God God is, is true to His Word. He never breaks a promise. He said, I'll give you what you need when you ask. If the foundation of your life is that you fear the Lord. Okay. That's all we got today. As we begin our invitation time. Do you truly fear Almighty God who holds the universe in His hands? Who created you wonderfully made? Do you have the proper respect for Him? If you don't, I just tell Him I don't. And ask Him to help you to get that because He will. See, the fear of the Lord encompasses a lot of things. What a great starting point if you're a Christian. The fear of the Lord. As we bow our heads and close our eyes. You do business with God Almighty, the creator of this universe, who holds the universe together, who loved you so much he sent his son to die on a cross for you. That's how much he cares for you. Do business with him right now, please.